Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Unplayable Podcast's Instant World Cup Recaps. Australia have just clinched another victory in their Super 12s campaign, this time over Ireland in Brisbane. Aaron Finch lost a toss for the first time in what seems like a long time, but maybe it was a blessing in disguise. He cracked 63 of 44 and claimed player of the match honours as Australia got up to five for 179. They then bowled out Ireland for 137, even though it could have been a lot less. They were reeling at 5 for 25 with Mitchell Stark getting that new ball swinging. In the end, it was a 42-run victory for Australia, which gives them a little boost in the net run rate, but maybe not as much as they were hoping. I'm Josh on a finger, and I'm going to be chatting to Louis Cameron, who's all the way over in Brisbane, and he was there tonight to watch the action. What did you make of tonight's uh, match there, Lou? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, it's uh, it's nice. I've been in Brisbane. It's warmed up nicely since I was last year for Australia's warm-up game. Uh, what was that, 10 days, two weeks ago against India. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a really funny game in the sense that I, I reckon both teams walk away from it feeling like it was a missed opportunity. Um, Ireland's captain, Andrew Balburnie, a, a lovely guy who I got the chance to speak to yesterday um, at their training session at um, Shaw Park in, in Brisbane's northern suburbs, um, really, um, you know, really spelt out that, you know, he was proud of how they went but felt like for them it was a missed opportunity in terms of they felt like they could win. Um, they, they thought they, you know, they've beaten England and, and why not knock off the, uh, the tournament host as well. For Australia, the, the, um, the situation is different. They need to lift their net run rate. Um, and, and get a, a really big boost. They did get a boost, but not as much as it could have been. They really could have gone into the positives. They could have gone above England and they missed a chance of doing that. Now, none of that might matter because there is some shocking weather forecast for Brisbane tomorrow, which um, we might get into, but uh, and, and that could have some significant imp- implications for, um, for this group. But first, we'll get into Australia's innings. As you said, Ireland were well in the game after 13 overs. Australia were three for 92. Tracking along okay, but that's only seven runs and over. After that, though, it was Stoinis and Finch who really got the ball rolling. A couple of big overs there, including Mark Adair, who bowled the 15th over of the innings, and it went for 26 runs, uh, with Aaron Finch particularly enjoying himself out there. Um, It's a good turnaround for Finch, who in the last game, you know, looked... All at sea, really, but managed to be not out. And now he's looking like he's back in form and at the top of the order and leading by example. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he looked scratchy against Sri Lanka, didn't he? And he admitted himself that I think he said his words were that his innings was poor against Sri Lanka. Um, and Australia won, you know, with four overs to spare despite that. But here it was fluent. Like he, 
I think we have to readjust our expectations for openers just a touch because the new ball is swinging a lot in this tournament. That's been one of the constants. Um, don't know what it is. Uh, I saw a nice stat from Crickviz the other day suggesting that T20s uh, in 2022 are getting the most swing of any year in T20 international history, which you know isn't isn't particularly long, but it does suggest that something a little bit different is happening with this batch of kookaburra balls potentially, and that the October November kind of slot in Australia is favouring fast bowlers who, who can shift the new ball. So that's making life hard for, for Finch and other openers um, at the top. It's making life for them difficult. Uh, but tonight, he, yeah, he picked his moments really well, didn't he? Like he, he hit some, hit a couple of big sixes. Uh, he took his medicine when he needed to. And look, he didn't look... Um, he didn't look any less fluent than than a lot of the middle order players. Um, I thought tonight, like it was a, a slower than normal Gabba wicket. Mitch Marsh said that at the at the halfway mark. So to get to one eighty against a really disciplined island attack, I was really impressed. Disciplined in the sense that um, you know there's there's no doubt that they're not as skillful as some of their more credentialed opponents, but um, they had really good plans. You could you could see. The, the strategy is at the same level as, as these top nations. Some of the fields I was setting I thought were really interesting. Um, that's real cricket enough territory, Josh, so we don't have to, to, to go into that if you don't want to. But um, and, and they've got some some borderline world-class bowlers in, in Josh Little, who I, I haven't seen much of, and he really impressed me tonight. Um, and their leg spinner Gareth Delaney as well I thought, um, I thought was really good. I think he only ended up bowling three overs. So, you know, that, that might have been a, a bit of a trick missed. But, um, yeah, so, so Finch, Finch did really well. And just the, the last point on, on that, he spoke quite, quite interestingly yesterday in his pre-match press conference about with no Steve Smith in this team, him and Warner are basically having to kind of pivot to the, the anchor role in, in inverted commas. And, um, you know, Warner hasn't really fired so far this tournament. Finch has definitely been struggling with his form you know, in the in the Sri Lanka game at least, um, so he he's playing a maybe slightly more conservative role than what he normally does. So there's a few things swirling around there, um, but the, but the biggest talking point. Sorry, I said the last bit was the was the last bit, but this bit is is the last bit on this, mate. Um, Finch has hurt himself, and uh, he's going for scans tomorrow. And I just get the sense that that injury might be, you know, it could be um could have some impact on him finishing the tournament okay yeah quite a few things to talk about there i'll just quickly touch on the irish bowlers who were pretty good across the board as you mentioned josh little two for 21 off his four overs barry mccarthy who was pulled off an amazing six saver down at long on took three wickets himself and i also thought bazamaka to his mates josh bazamaka okay bazamaka yes <laughs> if he was aussie that would definitely be what he would known as gareth delaney was good as you said no wickets for 29 and George Dockrell, who has been doing it for what seems like ever in mm. the county stuff, none for 24 off his four overs, uh, pretty impressive mm. return from him. But as you mentioned, the injuries were stacking up at the end of that match. Matthew Wade was out there marshalling the troops as vice-captain with Finch off the field, and we also saw Tim David off the field, and we also saw one other off the field, didn't we, at the, at the end there? Marcus Stoinis, yeah, who just had it confirmed, he also had a hamstring injury. So three times hamstring injuries, uh, maybe not alarm bells, but and especially with the, the caveat that Tim David, um, it you know, in inverted commas, was managing soreness, uh, storeness apparently the same. 
Finch, the Finch one sounded like a, a twinge or, or he's pulled something and he has a history, you know, he's a bit older than those guys and he has a history of hamstring injuries. Mm. So that's probably the one we're most worried about. Um, but, you know, Stoinis, you know, has, has been hurt quite a bit in the past. David we don't know quite as much about because he's younger and just hasn't been around the Aussie setup. So, um, yeah, some, some real concerns around what, you know, what they're going to have to do th- throwing uh, the captaincy to, you know, to probably Matthew Wade for the business end of the tournament if they if they make the semi-finals. And they can't really afford to take their foot off the pedal too much. So they've got Afghanistan in Adelaide in their last match. But as we've touched on, their net run rate is still below England. And if there is play tomorrow in Brisbane, then, you know, it could really come down to that. So how do you think that's going to play out? Does Steve Smith come in or do they try and push through with these, obviously the preferred 11, do they push through with these niggly injuries? Yeah, to, to spell it out, if England lose or if the that game against New Zealand gets washed out, Australia are through, I believe, as uh, whether they beat Afghanistan or not, or maybe they do need to beat Afghanistan. I think um, they would need to beat them, but just net run rate wouldn't be a factor. Sorry, yes, yeah, that's right. I um, I got a bit jumbled with my thoughts. All these net run rate, um, they they do my head in honestly. I can but, see um, the gears ticking over, mate. Oh, mate, yeah. <laughs> um, so Australia need to beat Afghanistan first and foremost, and then the the England New Zealand game will be crucial, you know, to as to how much they need to beat them by. At this point, uh, a thirty six run win over Afghanistan would lift them above England's net run rate. Now that okay. that figure doesn't really matter too much because A, it presumes that they bat first and B, presumes England's net run rate doesn't change. And if it doesn't change, it means they've been washed out and then the net run rate wouldn't matter anyway. So I don't even know why I mentioned it, but um, there's a lot of things swirling around at the moment. Who'd, who'd want to be captain? Who'd want to be coach? Who'd want to be uh, a journalist reporting on it and trying to uh, trying to figure it all out? I'm just going to leave it to, to smarter people, I suppose. As I mentioned at the <laughs> top, um, Ireland were in a lot of trouble in the power play. They were 5 for 25 Glenn Maxwell bowled the third over and took two wickets, two pretty soft wickets to be fair, but you got to take them and they were big wickets too, that of Paul Sterling and Harry Tector, who's been in excellent form in the one-day side. And then Mitchell Stark got that new kookaburra swinging, Curtis Camper and George, George Dockrell bowled with two in-swinging beauties. If you haven't seen them, they are on cricket.com.au, so check them out. Do you reckon these new kookaburras are swinging more this year? Is that what you said earlier? That was a suggestion that I've heard. Maybe I need to dig into this a little bit more. That um, there was something about a new batch of kookaburras, and they're they're just doing something different. You know, um, that was something. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the stat that you know, if crickviz is the the gospel of of cricket, right? So we we can't question them. They say more swing has is has been gotten in this twenty twenty two than any other year in T twenty international cricket. So that's something, mm. and maybe we need to speak to Kookaburra about what's going on with the balls. Are they are they loading up one side of the ball? Are they using a new lacquer? I'm not sure what it could be, but it's good news for Mitchell Stark, even though he's not taking the new ball. He's got a new role uh, with the ball. He's bowling more through the middle, and, um, and it, it seems to be working out for him, although I'm not entirely convinced that he doesn't want the new ball. But um, – but th- that that might be a, a different matter. Mm. Well, there might be something in that because just from the the eye test, I mean, Australian bowls especially, just after that first or second over in one day's or T20s just haven't gotten swing in the last 10 years. So who knows, maybe there is mm. something in that. Lorcan Tucker was the standout for Ireland and in the face of absolute calamity, he stood up and 
took the Aussies on. He finished with 71 not out of 48 deliveries. It just ran out of partners in the end um, and maybe had Irish fans hoping for a miracle there. But in the face of what was almost a calamity, it was a pretty impressive knock from the young fella, wasn't it? It was incredible. It was incredible. And you just wonder whether if they'd been able to stymie that collapse to maybe three for 25 instead of five for 25 or they'd just gotten a little bit out of their middle order. If Tucker plays the same innings, then maybe he's chasing, you know, those same 30 or 40 runs off the last two or three overs, you know, with another batter down the other end. I mean, it was tragic in the end that he, he, they took a single off the last ball of the third to last over, I think it was, when Josh Little was in. And then there was a run out on the on the very next ball. So they, they just needed to get Tucker on strike. And, and even if it means one fewer run, it, Tucker's got to be facing the majority of balls in those last two overs. So that's something they'll learn from. I'm loath to criticise my man Josh Little. I thought he was fantastic. He might be the new Reuben Trumpleman who was mysteriously absent from, from – Namibia's uh, Namibia's earlier um, qualifying stage. There's another storyline um, to oh, dig deeper into, I reckon. Josh Little, yeah, yeah. Oh, the the Reuben Trumpman absence, yeah, yeah. What's um who's abducted him? What's what's going on with him? We need to know. But Josh Little, big bash teams. I hope they're watching because um, he'd be a real asset as a as a potential re- replacement overseas player um, for for a fast bowler. I know Ireland have a tour in January. Uh, of Zimbabwe, I think it is, or Zimbabwe might be going to Ireland, which um, wouldn't be ideal. And, um, you know, given half the competition of Big Bash overseas players are leaving, then they might not want another one like that. But um, surely he's on he's on some overseas T20 radars. Um, and he's already done well in, in the 100. Definitely. And if you perform well against England like he did a couple of days ago, that's got to keep you in the good books. Now, Louis, are you going to be hanging around in Brisbane for tomorrow's New Zealand-England match or are you straight over to Adelaide for the Afghanistan-Australia match? Neither, mate, neither. I'm uh, on a 10.20 flight back to Melbourne. I'm handing over to our esteemed colleague, Andrew Ramsey, for Australia's game against Afghanistan. So uh, hold the line because, you know, we might be able to, might be able to um, con... Uh, Andrew into a into an unplayable podcast uh, stint, um, yeah. So so watch this space. It'd be it'd be nice to get him on board after after that um, Afghanistan game. If 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 not, then it might just be us two. Josh haven't haven't worked it out that far. Mate. Okay, <laughs> lots still to play out as it is in this World Cup. Now, just like a couple of days ago, I asked our listeners on the on Instagram and Twitter what their highlight of the T Twenty World Cup so far has been. A lot of people said Coley's innings a lot of people also said the pack bean um drama which was big on twitter and maybe our instagram <laughs> listeners wouldn't have seen that but that was a massive moment in the zimbabwe pakistan match wasn't it that was it, the most bizarre controversy that i've ever heard about in cricket i mean what's going on? i mean to to hold hold a a nation responsible for an impersonator who I'm not quite sure was actually ever saying that he was the real Mr. Bean in the first place. So some of these Zimbabweans who attended the agriculture show in the first place uh, need to have a good hard look at themselves, Josh, because, look, it's that's clearly not Mr. Bean. It's just a, 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 com- a lookalike comedian trying to earn an honest living. And, um, look, but I'm glad that, that the feelings run deep. And I'm glad that Zimbabwean, you know, Zimbabwean cricket, A, that they're strong enough and B, they're playing a team like Pakistan regularly enough uh, to build up a rivalry. It's it's what we need. So, having said all that, um, 
it, it's good for the game. Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean, Pack Bean is is uh, what we need more of. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> Thank you, Louis, for your time. We'll chat to you very shortly, hopefully in the semifinals at one point, and on to the next episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Look forward to it, Josh.